Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi guys, welcome to the final episode in the series of The Hard Line. I'm here with my guest Gemma Norton, who some of you will recognise and will probably know her as the prop life on TikTok. Um, we're going to touch on quite a few topics today um, that some of us have been, over the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of emails and a lot of messages on these topics and I thought, what better person to raise these with than, than with Gemma. Um, Thank you for having me, I really appreciate it. No, thank you for coming on board. And your TikTok has exploded in the six months through COVID. I can honestly say every time I'm scrolling through TikTok in those endless hours I spend on it, your face pops up at least three or four times on my For You page. Um, did you, what made you decide to start the TikTok in the first place? I was bored. I was bored and I was in a lockdown and I was missing rugby and I just saw I saw a few different people starting to make TikToks and do the different trends about their own individual interests and sports and I thought a lot of these in my own funny little humour they appeal to me they make me laugh so why don't I try and make other people laugh Um, I then realised that actually there is a platform on TikTok it is a bunch of people who are about the age when I needed rugby the most and would have benefited from rugby the most, Mm -hmm. Um, especially that kind of late teen period when I was at my most insecure physically about my body and about my appearance. Mm -hmm. If I had discovered rugby, my whole outlook on life and my whole life would have been very different. Mm -hmm. So after initially starting off just to have a bit of fun, it then started to kind of snowball a little bit and I realised that I could actually reach my younger self, so to speak, and I realised then the kind of the power that it can have and the influence it can have. You didn't come from a wealthy family, did you? It wasn't you, as it were. You weren't a bit like myself. I grew up with my brother playing. You you didn't come from that environment. So what steered you towards rugby in the first place? Not at all. Um, I was always very... You know, I was I was that girl that was wrestling with the boys at school. I was I ho- grew up horse riding. Um, so my mother has seen me chucked off a horse into a fence. So when I went, oh, yeah, I'm going to go get rugby tackled for fun. She was like, yeah, natural. <laughs> um, but I I knew my first ever coach. At, at, yeah. I, I had a little bit of involvement on the bar at the first rugby club I played at. And every time I saw him for a few months, he just kept saying, come down and try it. You'll love it. Come down and try it. You'll love it. And I just went, do you know what? I'll go to one. I will humour you. I will be terrible. And then I will go home and we'll all have a laugh about it. And I went down and I ran through about five people with pads and I had a cracking training session. And I was like, oh, actually, this is really fun. And having always been a little bit taller, a little bit broader than a lot of um, a lot of girls my age, I finally found a sport where that was an advantage and I was like this is this is great I need to tap into this and from that I then realized as you know again the need to advocate for our sport as well mm-hmm. and quite controversially in some way you've actually been advocating for the prop which is not 
when women are getting into the sport is not really the position anyone wants. It's sort of the position where everyone stands at the back going, yeah, don't put me in front row, don't put me in front row, because there's so many perceptions of what a front row looks like. And and honestly, yeah. looking at yourself and, and me, both of us who were in the front pack, we don't fit that stereotype at all. Yeah. And that's one thing I really wanted to break on my TikTok as well, is that like, there are some this is the thing is that there are beautiful stunning more masculine front rows who absolutely rock it and that is one way that front rows can look but there are also more feminine front rows there are front rows that you know like to look a certain other way and the more masculine appearance is something that i think is a narrative that is fed out more about women in rugby and that is fine if you want to be masked you're beautiful you're absolutely stunning but i also want to want girls that go the more feminine aesthetic and that are more feminine to, to know that they have a place too and that's not something i would even describe myself as being until the last year you know i was again i was that kid in the mud in combat trousers but as i've grown i've lost you know i've lost quite a lot of weight over the last year as well i've developed a more feminine look and i want every girl no matter whether they are mask femme anything in between and everything in between i want them all to know that there's a place for them in the rugby pitch and you know i turned up to training i turned up to rugby and it was basically you're five foot nine you're built like a brick wall you're going in the front row like there is that is your place in life and then i really i started to look at the the international front rows i looked at your joe marlers i looked at your you, you Shauna Browns I always quote about Shauna everyone knows how much of a Shauna fan I am um, but your Cleals as well those front rows that are out there not only just, just smashing their job but also having huge personalities and showing that the joy of the front row you know because honestly I mean as you know there is no banter like it you make friends for life you are on the front row of a big pack you have to be able to hold your own physically mentally there's always a little bit of a mind game even at you know your local clubs I've had people try and kiss me occasionally and (laughs) or like or or sing at me and do strange things but it's things that only front rows know yeah and I think that what's been really nice on my TikTok is actually the love that I've thrown out for front rows and I've tried to make it very gender neutral actually has really resonated with a lot of men as well Mm. um, who don't necessarily feel as body body positive. Um, You know, I've got men messaging me saying, hey, actually, I am a big classic build prop and, Mm. you know, your TikToks have made me feel more comfortable and love myself more. And I love that. If if I can make someone's day and make someone feel good about themselves for five minutes, fantastic, I'll take that. Yeah. And your, your, what, what fascinates me about your page, and I, I've seen it a few times with the posts that you've, you've created, particularly when you've gone through the questions people have thrown at you and you put them out there, is you've had quite a lot of parents say, thank you for representing something that my daughter can now say, that's what I want to do. And, and I think yeah. we have a brilliant moment at the moment where we do have the Cleo sisters and Hannah Botsman and Shauna Browns who are fully representing women's rugby to the absolute maximum. Yeah. You then have someone like yourself in that tier below that's also representing actually they can say, yeah. well, I can aspire to to a Gemma first and then bloody hell, I can be a <laughs> 
you know, entirely. And this is something that I recognise was that, you know, I am well aware that I'm not going to be an England player. I'm not at that standard. I'm, I'm not. That's just not me. I'm not that good. And I'm OK with that. But what I what I love to be and what I want my page to be very much is I'm the kind of girl, if you went down your local club, you'd probably bump into me or someone like me. You know, that that local one who's just like, hey, come with me, come and enjoy your training session. If you have any questions, I'm not an expert, but I'm here to guide. And that's what I try to do with every new player that turns up at my club. And that's the way I want my TikTok to be. Again, having turned to rugby, coming from a completely unrugby family, I had a lot of questions when I first came to rugby. And I felt a bit silly sometimes, as much as everyone was supportive. I felt a bit silly asking those questions sometimes. So that's why I try to to do little things like, like good hairstyles. No one taught me these things. I had to learn things to get my long hair out, out of the way for scrums. You know, almost like, I don't know, I needed almost a rugby big sister. And that's the energy I'm trying to give out on my page. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. For sure. Um, a lot of, you know, uh, yeah, we see quite a lot of the England players getting involved in social media now and being being very much advocates for the, for the game, which yeah. in their own right. But how can we get more people like you and I into that sphere as well? So representing grassroots clubs at the RFU, whether it's getting them into coaches, how can we encourage more people to get involved? I think we have had. Our generation of players, we are so lucky because we've had the Alfonsis, we've had the Rocky Clarks, we've had those people who have been setting the groundwork for us. Now, but what we have to understand is that we are still not where we need to be with women's rugby yet. We are only just getting our international games on TV, on mainstream TV. We are we have not yet got our premiership games on mainstream TV. So if we stop the progress and the amazing, you know, the running train that those guys have started, women's rugby will not continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, so we have therefore, I, you know, for me, every woman in rugby, they don't have to shout as loudly as I am. You just have to say, hey, I'm here. Hey, women play rugby. It exists. It's amazing. Come and have a go. And I think that that's our, you know, that's something that we should be doing as women in rugby. Um, And so I think that that's what we need to be doing. And as I said, you don't have to be screaming from the rooftops. But I just think just every woman that plays say, hey, I'm here. I'm here. This is what I do. Whether you agree. The grassroots piece for me, from a female perspective, has been growing and growing and growing in the last sort of two, three seasons. And oh, I think absolutely. Now, I mean, some of the figures I was looking at over the last couple of days, I mean, there's a stunning 20% increase in UK registered female players with the yeah, RF yeah. in the 2019 eradicated in 2020 because of obvious reasons. And yeah. also a 5% increase of brand new women's rugby clubs opening up. And that's yeah. a statistic because that's 5% that club's that were predominantly male that never had a women's team before. And that's amazing. So I think at the grassroots level, you know, particularly if I see, you know, Beck, um, for example, that's traditionally been an old boys club, but it's traditionally been men only. 
uh, where guys have gone through school, played for their school, and then moved on as an alumni squad. Um, yeah. It's not now club. It's almost shunned upon if you don't have a women's team. It's almost yeah. people go, oh, you don't have a women's team? Well, yeah, and, and it's those changes in attitudes that are so important, um, you know, because it's you know these are amazing figures and it's amazing that this snowball and this snowball effect is still happening but we've also got to as well recognize the fact that once we get to those clubs you know I have experienced issues with being a woman at a rugby club Mm -hmm. I have experienced issues even as a visitor Mm -hmm. and uh, to clubs and it's not do not get me wrong it is not the majority it is a minority but it's an attitude that we still need to just keep nudging out of the way um, of the whole, like I had someone turn around to me a little while ago and just be like, oh, women shouldn't play rugby. Mm. Why not? Why not? Yeah. That's cute. <laughs> like, 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 what's your point, mate? And it's, it's you know, I'm so lucky that I know um, so many incredible male rugby advocates. Mm. Um, my own coach, for example, he runs the Exeter Hits programme. He's a huge advocate for women in rugby. My housemate, for example, he's a winger, fantastic, is so supportive of um, women playing. And male advocates like that don't realise their own power. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, something I want to get through all my TikToks is male advocates for our sport are hugely important yeah. because they break down those barriers that we can't get to in some people. For example, there are some some male players if I went up to them and said hey come watch a ladies game come watch the women play they wouldn't do it and again I respect that that's fine but if one of the boys turned around and went oh I'm gonna go have a pint and watch the women play come with me they'd go down mm-hmm. and it's those simple little acts of advocacy that's what helps and that's where again without often realizing it our male advocates can be really really helpful they certainly create an environment that encourages and influences other people but also inspires and I think sometimes you know if I think about our coaches and what they've done for us they don't realize how much of an inspiration they are and actually how much of a larger impact they're going to have from a legacy perspective you know these are coaches at the forefront of potentially one day going well I actually really enjoy coaching women rather than men and I yeah. can do it at a senior level and I can do it with a team that are winning more and then, you know, it becomes more exciting. And I think it's yeah. business club. And you've been a member of quite a few clubs, which I'm assuming, and tell me if I'm wrong, have had different environments for different reasons. Yeah, definitely. So it was only due to like, you know, moving around. Um, I started down at Withercombe, which is down in Exmouth in Devon. I moved up towards London and had a fantastic um, season playing with Windsor. And then um, when I moved back to Devon, I came down and I'm at my current club now, Topsham, just again, different atmosphere. And every club, it's been fascinating to see the different, um, so all clubs, all the clubs I've played at have been at different levels. Mm -hmm. They've had different atmospheres, different narratives. And um, what one continuous theme that I absolutely love across all three clubs that I have been at is that it's often the old boys who are really supportive. Yeah. And I don't know if this is the case at every club, but it's the old boys, the veterans and, and older who are often really supportive. And I absolutely, I adore that. I absolutely adore that. We've got um, an, an absolutely 
amazing um, veteran at our current club, um, again, ex-Royal Marine and stuff, he comes to all the women's games. And, you know, if you build the women's, the thing is, if you build the grassroots, you're building internationals in the women's game. Yeah. If you if you get, say, 20 women to training at a grassroots club, you've got less to feed through to a premiership game. If you have 100 women turn up to training, you have got more people to feed up to county, more people to feed up to premiership. So how do we do that? We have more people on the sidelines. We have more events going on. We have more stash, more promotion. And it starts with those little things like five of the old boys coming for a pint. Honestly, it's those little acts and those little bits that I honestly believe are so powerful because they send such a message. And so, yeah, so amongst the three clubs I've been at, there have been very different attitudes and there have been um, very different. I've, I've had different experiences, but I've. Honestly, on the whole, I've had really positive experiences um, and I've had some lovely experiences. And even even in the few instances where I've had more negative experiences, I can honestly say they've always come out as an educational point. We've all kind of walked away from it and gone, that doesn't need to happen again. That doesn't need to, you know. So I, yeah, I really think that, you know, it's going in such a good direction, even in the attitudes as well. Absolutely. Absolutely, and you mentioned that there, which is going to bring me into my next point. Um, that I am enough campaign, which every grassroots rugby player is going to be familiar with, and that was a response to Canterbury, New Zealand, who used yeah. female models to model the island stash. Um, I know. Yeah, and I have to say, we were outraged. And there are some, and I've seen various, you know, whether it's trolling and tweets and all sorts, there are some people who, and I quote a chap said, this is a childish campaign. Um, yeah. Personally, I think underrepresenting women in rugby is not a childish campaign. If anything, yeah. it was stupidity on the person who booked those models for that shoot. There's um, so much, to me, there's so much about that that is just so wrong and whether it's an ignorance thing or whether it's just a, a thing on purpose there's just so much with it that bugs me as an individual now I am aware that I am not exactly some kind of I don't know Linda Evangelista I am well aware of that mm-hmm. but by putting male internationals in their kit on adverts mm-hmm. and by not putting women internationals in their kids what you are saying inadvertently to young girls is just you're not pretty Mm -hmm. inadvertently you're saying to young girls you can't be pretty and be a woman in rugby you can't be you know um women in rugby are not pretty enough for this and that's Mm -hmm. absolutely wrong Mm -hmm. and it just bugged me as well because again i just try to represent a little bit of the girl who is that little bit tall a little bit broader i was for example, I was always bullied at school for being fat. I was never fat. I was just built strong. And this is my whole key, the key is like, if literally one person had turned around to me and said, you are not fat, you are strong. Mm-hmm. You are built like a brick wall and it's fantastic. And we'll put you in the front row and you are going to walk through people in scrums. If one person had turned around and said that to me, I would never have battled mental health as much as I have. Mm-hmm. I would never have had I've had eating disorders mm-hmm. I have and I am chronically body dysmorphic mm-hmm. 
even to this day and this is something I try to talk about a little bit on my Instagram particularly is I you know I really do struggle with body dysmorphia quite chronically mm-hmm. and having women that look more like me that look more like those girls that are a little bit broader shouldered than the rest that look more like those girls that have amazing thick legs you know that are so strong it yeah. changed the narrative for young girls and I think that that's what Canterbury really missed out on that's why I'm so proud I for example I represent Scrum Bum mm-hmm. and that's who's on my t-shirt at the moment and I'm and brands like Scrum Bum um, Rugette are setting such a better narrative you know I know they're ladies stash brands but they are saying this is who's on our page and you've got women for everything from size 8 to size 20 on their page 20 plus on their pages you know just as an example and that is the narrative that young girls need in my opinion and I I just felt that it came so far away from the progress we've made with women just generally in fashion you know we've spent so long where you're either normal or plus size and plus size is anything from a size 12 up which yeah when the UK averages are 12, you think, how on earth can you possibly advertise yeah. that as a plus size? And I so just felt- I'm, I'm currently a size 12 to 14, and I actually did a little bit of plus size modelling when I was younger. <laughs> and and funny enough, when I started, I'd, I'd had a bit of interest in places, um, in some bigger places. And then I started rugby, and my measurements, my shoulder measurements came in too broad. And I was told, basically, stop doing rugby, and you could potentially do a bit more of this or carry on with rugby and and I was just like that's a that's a no-brainer for me it's rugby all the way because I could just see if you want my if you want me to make my shoulders smaller you're going to make me want to make my waist smaller and my legs smaller and it was just I could see instantly the toxicity of that yeah yes for me it's just astonishing and actually the the follow-up for that actually a massive campaign of of one of my sort of all-time favorites poppy which was the pro rugby direct website that Mm. then the comments that came from them and actually the highlighting of you know uh, one of her comments um just quoting her we will not be made to feel like we don't exist there's 2.7 million million i loved it and it was, it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And you know, from that into all the sites, one of the things that I thought was interesting is that Pro Direct Rugby actually made a comment about if we don't, if we post women rugby players, it plays with our algorithm. Yeah, and that's so sad, isn't it? And, and it's also quite disgusting to think that a website will choose their algorithm over other things. Well, I experienced it a lot with TikTok. I experience it all the time. So I get something called shadow banned quite a lot. And shadow banning is basically what happens is um, less of your followers actually see your content. So you were seeing me quite a lot on the For You page, um, which is where people that don't even follow me can see me quite a lot. Mm -hmm. But actually my own followers, um, it dipped down to 2% of my nearly 10,000 people were able to see my videos. And it happened right at the point of the Women's Six Nations. Mm-hmm. So me being me, I made a TikTok about it went, and called TikTok out and went, not you know, shadow banning me when the Six Nations on, are we, TikTok? Um, <laughs> I was like, do better. Um, yeah. But it's, it happens a lot, and especially I have noticed in TikToks if I don't have makeup on. 
if I wear, um, if I have my hair tied back, there's certain things I have noticed that cause my videos to go back in the algorithms. And it's really fascinating to me. Um, it's very sad, but it's it's really interesting as well where certain things hit the algorithms for things that certain things don't. And But the thing is, from a brand perspective, you know, you have got money to promote your brand. It may not push the algorithm initially. But for example, O2, during the Women's Six Nations, every post that O2 Sport did was class. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how, you know, every other post, women's rugby is rugby. And they were posting all these fantastic posts that in, if you go by ProDirect's logic, would drop you out of the algorithm. Mm-hmm. But because we were so, like, we were so impressed by it, and I know everyone in my squad was, everyone was like, yes, absolutely this, it made them go further because they were getting likes, they were getting comments, they were getting engagement. And this is this is the thing. If you back us, and this is what I want to get out to brands and to people as well, back us a little bit and you'll get so much back out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, There's an argument that, you know, ultimately it's humans that set these algorithms for whatever reason they're setting them there's almost an argument that we should and this is not just rugby itself but any female sport where there's underrepresentation across social media for whatever reason it is but there's almost an argument to actually campaign against the likes of a google and a facebook and a tiktok and say you need to change your algorithm because what it's doing is it's it's promoting eating disorders it's promoting yeah. lifestyles that aren't suitable for young kids and and maybe there, there's an argument should be doing that rather than you know focusing on trying to change our videos to fit it entirely i was really lucky to do a, an interview with o2 sport a little while ago and my quote from that which i'm i, I stand by entirely and like ugo monnier blessed him retweeted and everything was i said in a world full of kardashians we need more shauna browns mm-hmm. and, and we do in a world where girls are being encouraged towards unrealistic body types being towards it, being encouraged towards people who are having plastic surgery upon plastic surgery you need women turning around being like we're real we're here you know we have normal legs we have stretch marks we have scars we have all of these normal things so therefore yeah as women in rugby we need to turn around and go actually we don't like what your algorithms are producing. And actually what we can therefore do is change the algorithms, make our own algorithms. And I think that that's what we, again, we can do. And that adds to it. If I say literally every time a woman in rugby posts, I don't know, a picture of her in rugby gear on Instagram, it changes the algorithms. It changes what people are seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, I want to make it clear that my, my next comment about trolling is not specific to women in rugby or, or it's just yes. something naturally I've, I've seen happen much, much more. Um, and over 30% of athletes, both male and female, are trolled on social media, which is an astonishing number. And particularly there's, I mean, one comment which, and I did feel about calling them out on this podcast, but I thought it was a bit controversial to do so. But a, a, an older gentleman said, I bet you all the money in the world, not a single male rugby player in any division would go and watch a women's rugby match. I remember that one. And, and I, unfortunately, I received a hell of a lot of those kind of comments myself. 
and you know you it's part of unfortunately the deal um to a degree when you put yourself out there you understand that there are going to be people who are hateful um the key and it, it got to a point at one point i i posted a video about the gender gap in rugby and I actually had to remove it from my TikTok. Yeah, I did see it. I removed it from my TikTok because I received three weeks of abuse, mm. and I and I mean absolute abuse. I got told I was a, a moron. I knew nothing. I was just a stupid little woman. I should get back to the kitchen. I even had my first like um, some little fourteen-year-old thought he could try and do a death threat, which was really entertaining. I was like, is your mum going to drive you down? Um, <laughs> <laughs> really, mate. And it, 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 but like, I had so much abuse. And what was really fascinating was that I pointed out, amongst many things, pay gap, the gap in promotion, mm-hmm. um, and quite a lot of different things that women just face as women in rugby. And there's, and I was not saying rugby is bad I love rugby I'm you know a big rugby advert I was just saying there are things that whilst we have made progress we still need to do better and people just could not could not deal with it mm-hmm. and it, it, the biggest thing was about the pay was well why should women be paid the same as men I was like are we in 2021 or 1821 like yeah I thought we. Should, I, I feel like we're over the equal equal pay for genders thing. You know, it's it's some of the comments were just absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, you know, I hate seeing our athletes trolled online, and I feel like they deal with it so well. But I think people also need to be aware of what they're saying and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They also just need to be aware that if you don't like something, you don't have to say anything. You can just scroll on past. Yeah, I mean the the sort of postponement of the women's six nations this year saw quite a lot of men coming back on those comments saying who cares anyway no one matters and something that was particularly interesting for me was a, a fixture recently and um, we all know what one it was was put onto bbc i play alive and not played on bbc one because bargain hunt was being played at the time now forgive me for if i'm wrong but i suspect the numbers and they still haven't released the numbers of viewers were far higher for that game than they were for bargain hunt itself and i think yeah. it, it comes from the executives in these more places who actually really really think about their programming and scheduling because yeah. that, that my part was an absolute failure for BBC. oh entirely i as i said at the time it's like it's once and all of the women's six nations game BBC were like, yeah, we've got the Women's Six Nations on BBC. Yes, but you have to go into iPlayer and it's not on the homepage. You have to dig into sport. You have to go past the men's premiership football, past the men's um, championship football. And then if you kind of find it near the bottom, that's where the women international rugby is. And I was just like, it's not a flex to say you have the women's internationals and then make them hard to find. That is not equality. That is not putting us on the same page. And people did not understand why I was so cross about it. And I was and I am cross about it because they know. They know exactly what they're doing. They, they absolutely do. Everyone is, and, you know, that's always going to be part of, of the growth and sponsorship and various other things have been brought up recently. And I, you know, I'm very aware that these things you can't just go like for like. There's there's a small step you have to make first, and 
the first thing for me is grassroots rugby, us getting more women in the game to represent the game. For us, people like yourselves, who will be being at the front of that saying, we do need this. We need more games on TV. We need sponsorship yeah. and the players themselves. And I mean, Shauna and everyone's doing a fantastic job at the moment with that. But there's yeah. also, on this journey, are we heading in the right direction, do you think? I think we are. Um, and, you know, so you're saying about like, yeah, and sponsorship and things. And this is where simple advocacy works. So, for example, I... Um, I used to be self-employed and I had an I had an amazing accountant who literally helped my unmathematical brain out constantly. And he knew how passionate I was about rugby and they saw and they heard me jabbering on and they saw my social media and stuff. And they were one of the first sponsors of Exeter Chiefs Women. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that was not it was partially because they were rugby fans anyway. It wasn't solely me, but they said to me that you know one of the reasons that we were so pushed to do this was because of you talking about how much you love it and seeing your photos and stuff and we felt like this was something important that we had to back mm-hmm. and I I mean as well as being utterly mind blown and and so chuffed I was like this is what this is the snowball we are going in the right direction absolutely we're getting there you know by even having our six nations on tv we're getting there mm-hmm. by having our um international players slowly becoming household names we're getting there i just think we just need to bring it up to par on certain things like little things like put the women's premiership on bt sport as the men's is Mm -hmm. put put it on bt sport you know there are less games per season in my opinion it's not a big deal tv wise again obviously i'm not a director or anything but i think it's a very small move from the producer's point of view but it would make such a big statement and I think it would do a lot so I yeah we this is what I aim to do is I understand I recognize that we are in a great place in the women's sport right now but we need to keep pushing and that's where again our fantastic advocates at all levels are really helping especially people like like Hugo Monnier as well as all the stuff he's doing publicly like becoming chairman um, of the RFU um, group to kind of promote the women's sport. It's the little things that Ugo is doing. And that's what gets across to people when he was um, in hospital the other day, he posted a video of himself just sat in hospital watching the women's game. It's those little moments of advocacy that drip feed it to people. And that are so important. It does. So I look forward to the day where myself, you, and Hugo and Sauna are all sitting with some BBC executives and BT Sport executives to talk about how we can get the sport on the telly. I look forward to it. I would love um, that. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I could host that. BT for listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be up for that. Yeah, we're available. Um, yeah, let, let's do it. I mean, last but not least, and and. I come back to this point at the end of, of every podcast because I think it's incredibly important. And, and across this series, we've had some amazing names thrown out there. But who's your grassroots rugby hero of all time? Oh, I mean, oh god, that's so hard. I've been at I've been at three clubs, obviously. Now, um, I have had the pleasure of meeting so many people that absolutely blow my mind people who are just so humble and who are just I, I'm genuinely like people that 
blow my mind every single day oh I have to pick one ah <laughs> I can't pick, honestly struggle to pick one um oh god that is a really good question I honestly I find it super hard because I think these 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 people aren't individuals who are necessarily playing the the game. These are the the yeah. grandparents who rock up at every game or to support their daughters or their sons and stuff. They're the fathers and the mothers who are washing the team's kit at the end of the yeah. session because their son is the captain and that's the job. They're the wives who, you know, we certainly and Andy, I'll give him a shout out whilst he's here. His wife doesn't probably doesn't see him because he spends more time coaching us than he does spending time with her. It's these people that mean that we get to enjoy the game. Entirely. Clubs, especially grassroots clubs, are built off people like that. And I think they need more appreciation. They don't always get it. Um at our club we've got um, you know some amazing people who yeah like you say they're they're in the kitchens they're behind the bar they they never they're not on the pitch playing necessarily and they never go for the big shout out but they're always there and clubs would collapse around them without them um, at, at one of my old clubs as well there's there's again two of the old boys they come to every single match be it men's be it women's be it cults they are absolutely there one of the um one of the gentlemen at my first club he maintains the pitch so well he received an award at Twickenham that man knows every single blade of grass on that pitch <laughs> not say single blade is out of place you can have a full slip and slide on the Thursday and by the Sunday it's ready to go again characters like that are what I love about grassroots clubs as well um and you get people who are just coming through so passionately and building the game and especially for for the women and for the young girls. Um, probably if I had a grassroots hero, honestly, my, my coach that I mentioned earlier, he's, I mean, he's just fantastic. He, as I said, is such an advocate for the women's game, um, such a fantastic advocate for women in general, um, and does amazing work with the HITS programme, um, which works with kids who are either out of education or kind of just looking for a, a little path in life and they they kind of work with these kids using the rugby values and things like that um to help them gain employability and skills so and the whole time whilst giving up his time to coach the women as well you know this, this man gives up so much time so gareth who will probably be listening to this you are an absolute grassroots hero um and he knows i absolutely adore the bones of him as well so Fantastic. Um, uh, someone who I probably should give a shout out, given the fact that it's the um, last of the series, is is good old Sean, who hosts these podcasts for us every week and does the Fill Your Boots roundtable and sits on the Instagram and the Facebook and makes sure that grassroots athletes have a platform to communicate amongst each other. And, you know, I've certainly through through this network met some amazing teams, some amazing coaches, um, some amazing people that I've had great conversations with about the game so sean yes. deserves a massive round of applause for what absolutely he's doing. we love you sean <laughs> um, 
But obviously, this is the last one of this series. We're going to have a mini break before we start coming back with a hard line um, in a little bit. And in the meantime, I would highly encourage every single one of you to be following and liking the Sell Your Boots platform, whether that be on Facebook or Instagram. I know Sean has been putting out some competitions for Ahead of the Lions tour as well. So get liking and sharing those. Um, and boost those posts up and you'll have a chance of winning some really cool stash um, but we will be back in in a couple of weeks a couple of months as the season starts to to get going on the hard line again so until then we'll see you all soon thanks Gemma thanks for thank you on. so much bye see you